0: My, my direct answer to that question is I think for the first time we've now baked how we make money into the relationship and technology has caught up so that we can measure that we can manage that relationship um, and it's good it, I would argue it's good for everyone although there are some bugs um, in a number of different places.
1: Hello. Thanks for joining Minter Dialogue. Today is Sunday, the 24th of March, 2019. And this episode is with Patrick Campbell. Patrick's the co-founder and CEO of ProfitWell and has seen inside more subscription and SaaS companies than anyone else in the world. By using the proprietary industry data on over 8,000 businesses, they help some well-known companies like Zapier and Wistia to identify the best pricing and growth opportunities that are working today. In this conversation with Patrick, we discuss the ins and outs of subscriptions, the keys to creating a successful sub model, the mistakes to avoid, and we explore the freemium model and also peel back the profit well story, as well as digging into Patrick's marvelous overcoming of a personal challenge. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Podcast. Where we discuss branding and all things digital. I'm Minterdial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, Minterdial.com. Enjoy the show. Patrick Campbell, great to have you on the show. You are um, someone who runs a business, focuses on subscriptions. You also do a really interesting VidCast podcast uh, that we're going to get to talk about and you have gone through um, a wonderful life transition so we're going to get to talk mm. all about this together in your own words patrick how would you describe yourself
0: ooh that's such a such a broad and fascinating question right now um or maybe not so fascinating and that's the problem but <laughs> uh yeah i uh so i you know i'm an entrepreneur um i run a company called profitwell um we are a bootstrap company which means we haven't taken any funding uh and uh we're about 60 people here mainly in Boston but we have a small office in Rosario Argentina uh and then to describe more of me um i you know i'm from Wisconsin uh which uh for any international listeners that's kind of in the middle of the US uh it's uh you know Chilly dairy Willy. country a lot, of, Willy. lot of, yeah a lot of dairy farms i grew up kind of in that area and uh you know went to school in Illinois which is you know where chicago is and then i uh came out east uh, to the east coast here and i worked at uh I worked for the US government in the Intel community and then I worked at Google here in Boston and uh, that was about 6 years ago I started the company so it's been it's been a good career so far jumped around a little bit but it. yeah it's uh, it's exciting.
1: And why Argentina?
0: So there's a longer story there that's you know a little boring, but it, it really comes down to uh, our head of product, my business partner, he is from Rosario originally. He's been in the states for you know 20 some years now, but he uh, basically we found a good director level engineer. And kind of, we're thinking if it to, was a good experiment, uh, and then all of a sudden we just kind of started expanding the office. And um, it's it's relatively, um, you know, inexpensive labor relative to Boston. It's a lot easier for us to recruit down there because we're kind of the only, you know, fun startup, if you will. Uh, yeah, and it's I just, I just love the culture as well. That that team down there, the culture that they have is just so good. Um, the fun anecdote because I think it's interesting. We had a big argument in an all hands meeting about snacks. Um, and all the Bostonian folks were, you know, hey, we should, or we were thinking, hey, we should have healthier snacks. And all the Bostonians were like, oh, don't take away the Diet Coke. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm being dramatic for effect. Well, I got a message from the Rosario team saying, actually, we we want less snacks because we don't want to you know, get hooked on them. We're not here because of snacks. We're here because of product. Hmm. And that was just like a perfect kind of comparison. Uh, and uh, it was a really, really good lesson overall. But uh, I digress. That's, no, that's that, why. Basically.
1: That's wonderful. It sounds like a very mainland European type of argument. And you must uh, tell all your Argentinian friends that you're on a podcast with the An absolute aficionado of paddle tennis, which the Argentinians uh, have dominated over the years. So um, what do you – tell us a little bit more about ProfitWell.
0: Yeah, so we we are squarely focused – on understanding subscription growth better than anyone else that's our, our big mission um, and what I mean by that is we want to understand the truth of, of why a subscription company grows how they retain their customers you know what's what's best for them and so uh, pragmatically what we have is we have a free subscription financial metrics product so you plug in your billing system and then we basically give them all of their financial metrics for free so they're uh, it's called mrR their monthly recurring revenue their churn numbers all that kind of fun stuff stuff uh, and then the way we make money is we sell products that basically we can show them inside the, the metrics product hey you have this problem and then we can sell them product that solves that problem or helps that problem uh, and so that's kind of our philosophy on building product and we have one product that helps reduce churn um, and then we have another product uh, churn being cancellations and we have another product that helps with pricing.
1: Well, clearly subscriptions are doing well. In, uh, when I was listening to uh, what you guys have published, uh, Abby on Subscription 60, uh, she said that revenue subscriptions have grown five times faster than the S&P 500 mm. over the period 2012-2018, and it, it obviously is working well. To what do you sub- ascribe that success
0: I think so so I think there's a couple of things I think that uh, if we go way back, you know, if you think about commerce over the past, you know, thousands of years, right? Uh, it started off with bartering, right? And you didn't have like – you had to have a pretty good relationship with people, but it was hard. Like it was just mechanically hard to exchange goods and services. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you started to have, you know, money, obviously, uh, mint after minting, Minter here, um, you know, in terms of the name and the old family. Uh, and And all of a sudden – we now in the world of technology, we have an easier time measuring the actual value that I am providing you. So instead of, hey, um, you know, you buy a box of cereal and I hope that you come back next month um, and, you know, I don't know if you're getting the value that I think you should be getting from that cereal, now I can actually measure and I can say, okay, I can give you a financial model that ties us together in a relationship. And because of that relationship, I get some benefits as a business because I know you're you're at least going to come back as long as I'm happy – or you're happy, excuse me. I can measure the value that you're getting, how much you're consuming, those types of things. And you get continual performance because I'm always looking at it and making sure – trying to make sure that you're happy, right? Or, or that's how it works out in a good way. So I think – my my direct answer to that question is I think for the first time we've now baked how we make money into the relationship and technology has caught up so that we can measure that we can manage that relationship um, and it's good it, I would argue it's good for everyone although there are some bugs um, in a number of different places
1: let's talk about those bugs a second I, mm. I'm, I'm wondering to what extent let's say if I swing back for let's say a decade whether it was cable subscriptions or phone for those who had them subscriptions and all that there was this element of locking you in for a 25 24 month period and and for that i'm going to give you a, a lower per month and so on and nowadays there are many more situations which you might sign up for a, a, a longer term but the cancellation has become less complicated and, and the ability to swap out, and I'm wondering to what extent that's con- that kind of liberalization, if you will, has contributed to the success because that's really a customer facing benefit
0: yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right, right like so you you buy on your own terms basically um, or for the most part right so so there are products that I might sell you that it's like I need you to buy for the year because if you don't buy for the year, then I'm not going to get you know, enough out of it, right? Um, and I'm not going to cover my costs or I'm not going to cover my acquisition costs as they're known, right? And so I think that, but then you have a choice to maybe go to another, you know, competitor of mine who has figured out those costs and, and things like that. So, but I, I think you're right. I think that the ability to, get really close to that actual value metric that that's what we like to call it which is you know eventually maybe there's not even actually a subscription maybe it's just you pay per mile or you pay per little widget or what's it that you're using i think the problem there is then people feel nickel and dimed but it's it's one of those things where it's uh it's one of those things where it's tied very very closely together
1: so break apart for me something you obviously must talk about the difference between loyalty and subscription
0: that's interesting. That's a really good question, actually. I, I I don't know if, depending on how we define those terms, and I'm gonna hopefully use the generalized, you know, what I consider them. Um, I don't know if they should be too far apart, mm-hmm. right? Because if you have good loyalty with a subscription, you're gonna have really good retention, and and That's the, term- you only, yeah, you only get the com- compounding effects. Of subscriptions and monthly recurring revenue, if you have good retention and good loyalty, and so, to me, like, yeah, I I can have good loyalty if I'm a one-time product, Um, but it's 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 you know I'm not tying myself to that customer as closely as I probably should.
1: There is a a history with subscriptions, and if I take insurance as the prime example, where you kind of line up for life insurance, you buy it once and then. It never occurs until a death happens, or the the attic floods, and then all of a sudden, despite the fact that you've been paying month after month, his you know mechanically on the thirtieth of every month, there's small print that says, well, actually, because of the flood that you had, you don't get the money back. And so mm. I I've I come into this conversation thinking, huh, subscriptions can be let's say ethically questionable at some level. Yeah. I'm wondering how you approach that.
0: Yeah, I think I I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's that's a super tough situation, right? Because it's easy you and I know other details. It's like, oh, that insurance company's scummy and right. terrible, of right? Course. But then you're looking at the insurance company and you're thinking, well, technically what they bought was, you know, only this and this type of thing was different than that thing. And and so there's a little bit of um, I, I think there needs to be a little bit of a, a Hippocratic oath, if you will, of like you know first do no harm when it comes to like subscriptions because you know if your um, you know if your partner was like hey don't cheat on me or, or don't don't never you know never be intimate with another person and then you go kiss someone else and you're like well that wasn't intimate it's like no like we we all kind of agree that these are all the bad things right and right. so. You know it's 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 one of those things where I think we we do harm when it comes to kind of you know the specificity um, but I think that there's, I think we're going to net out in the end. I think we are going to net out because those bad actors, you even see this in the insurance industry where the insurance industry is being upended by different models, right? Where, you know, people are providing, um, you know, different types of insurance They're using different models. They're, um, the big thing with the insurance industry is, um, eliminating a- information asymmetry. So all of yeah, a sudden, yeah. like, I don't have to rely on the insurance broker to know something. I can have someone who's going to educate me, which means all of a sudden the costs are going to come down. Right. So, yeah, I think there's there's a careful balance. But that's what I love about the subscription world is you're going to have a bad experience potentially with that insurance person. And then you're not going to recommend them. You're going to actually probably go out of your way to, you know, make sure no one uses them. Um, and yeah, Social I think media. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Or, you know, review sites, all that kind of stuff. Right. And um, I think that's where it's, it's really fascinating, where it's that that relationship and, and doing doing no harm or attempting to do the right thing, um, which sometimes there's always still going to be bugs there even, right? Of course. You bought flood insurance and the house burned down. Like, oh, like, yeah, technically you shouldn't get your payout, you know, because well, it's different.
1: it would be better if it flooded at the same time that it burned.
0: Yeah, of course, because maybe hopefully it would <laughs> save most of the house, but
1: yeah. A twofer. Um, so in the subscription models, as you, as you work with companies, I, I would love to hear what would be good examples that take under, I would say, undercover that Hippocratic type of approach. word is anyway, examples of great subscription models that really show through the beauty of the subscription model and that value that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, there's one that's very technical that that some folks maybe have never heard of or or they've heard of it, but they don't know what it is. It's uh, AWS. Uh, So Amazon, um, Amazon... yeah, Amazon web services exactly. so for for those who don't know when you have a app or a piece of software, um, you know you have to host it somewhere. and we used to host it in you know closets, basically with you know servers. and now we you know basically outsource that, if you will, to you know these companies that have a bunch of really you know big buildings with a bunch of these computers in it. Um, but what's really cool about Amazon Web Services is that, All the data is tracked. Um, You pay for exactly how much you want and no more. Um, when you use it, you can very easily leave and you can download your data, you can download your app, you can very easily switch. Um, and in mm-hmm. some cases, they actually make it easy to switch because they understand, hey, we're not always going to be for everybody. And so uh, if you have this specific need or that specific need, we're going to switch you over to that particular company uh, for, for you, right? Uh, and that just engenders a lot of trust. And that's why it's you know one of the more popular, um, I think it's the number one for for that type of service. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's other companies out there. Um, another one that I think of that is, you know, a little bit more um, or less nerdy, but still nerdy, is a company called Litmus. Uh, it's email rendering. So when you send an email, you want to make sure it looks the same or good in every browser and every yeah. you know client, etc. cetera. Um, they're really good about understanding that not everyone is going to send enough emails to test the emails consistently so there's some people are like I'm going to send the same email for the next six months I don't need to pay for this product so they have like a uh, like a a low, very small costing plan, like a dollar per month, just to save your data. Um, so you can basically downgrade to that particular plan, and then when you come back, you didn't lose any data, you didn't lose any information. And then when you want to use the product again, you basically upgrade back to back to the the higher paid plan. And so. There's just a lot of little things you can do to get to that, you know, do no harm concept. And there's plenty of bad a- apples, you know, out mm-hmm. there that we can you know, talk about as well. But um, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's an evolving market. So
1: what does it take to have that kind of approach? You're working with a large company who's looking for their shareholder profits. They have the pressure of performing this month and they want to make sure that they pull in their number for the year, earnings per share. And if I could lock in ninety lock in ninety percent of my business, then gosh, that'd make my life a lot easier. How do you get over that kind of mentality?
0: I think it as as a business, basically. Like well, I think Yeah. I, I think it's it's the I mean that's kind of like what they call the innovator's dilemma a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have to kill the thing that got you there, um, or be the thing that's going to kill the thing, you know, that that got you there, right? Um, and that's something that you know Facebook has also popularized for their their products. I think there it's it's uh it it's incredibly difficult, right? Because you know you worked so hard to get to a monocum of su- a success um, or a really large success, and then all of a sudden you know there's other competitors nipping at your heels and they're you know you're losing market share and stuff like that i I think it really just kind of comes down to realizing that you know uh this is going to sound very morbid but like Death is inevitable, right? And so, unlike you know dying as a human, right? You know we haven't figured out immortality there. We can figure out immortality when it comes to you know a company, right? And you know you can you can do best by those customers, and that's why you know in the UK um, and even in the US you have some companies that have been around for you know hundreds of years, and they've been around for hundreds of years whether they're a pub or they're you know a, a big company that's now a software company is because they've reinvented themselves so many times and uh it's just really difficult and I, I don't know if i have a good answer i think it's just you know you have to you know as andy grove says you have to continue to be paranoid basically about oh what's going to kill us what's going to kill us and and running it through a framework and understanding that um you have to keep building the things that are um you know that are that are to the future i i
1: wonder if the combination of the Digitality of subscriptions, the facility of pay, the ability for customers to scream bloody murder a lot more than in the past, has also contributed to this improvement of or the mm. opportunity of subscription.
0: Yeah. Um, so, just in the sense of like people being able to talk to one another, or, or well, tell me a little so bit more. So, on
1: at the one hand, you got the, the 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 facility that digital sure. provides for signing up the payment it's it's there's such an ease and convenience to it and then for many of the subscriptions you do you kind of just forget about it it's like a line on your bank account and it mm. goes in and and to the extent that that ease is not tied in with a a cause of you know try to lock yeah. you in and capture you it, yeah. it, it it feels like my life's better
0: yeah. That's a really interesting point. I think yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting too because there there's there's kind of the other side of that a bit too where you forget about the subscription. Mm. You know, you stop using the product and all of a sudden, you know, you're paying on an, a, a monthly basis and What's kind of cool is there's some companies now that will actually measure your usage. Um, uh, yeah. Slack, a very popular work uh, chat product, uh, and then um Help Scout, which is a very popular help desk. Um, they they both basically measure, you know, active usage and if you I think it's like if you log in more than once, you're an active user, which, you know, maybe you Complain about that, and maybe you're truly not active. But um, if you don't log in, they basically won't charge you, right? And they'll actually delete your account after a while. I mean, they'll try to contact you a bunch. Like, if no one's logging in and you're still paying, um, there, there's a point where they'll, you know, if, if they haven't heard from you, they'll delete your account and actually refund you um, a certain amount of that. And I, I think that's. That's what's kind of interesting is that those companies, you probably don't absolutely need to do that. Um, But you can also, you know, there is a world of predatory subscriptions where, oh, let's price it low enough and uh, or, you know, charge for the first year and charge $1,200 for the next year. And, um, you know, you've seen stories about that, especially with uh, credit ratings here in the U.S. um, Mm. where you know it's free for your report but you have to put the credit card in and then all of a sudden 30 days later you're getting a $50 charge and you didn't read the fine print like the insurance contract and you know that gets problematic as well
1: mm. that the term predatory is, is something i feel is part of the old mentality and yeah. and more and more it's being weeded out and we can see mm-hmm. that so in in your vidcast you did this uh, great vidcast um as you enjoy meditation uh with calm <laughs> yeah the 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 apps calm and headspace in particular and what was interesting was and i want to put this in the show notes of course is that you really broke down their approach and how each website each app was leading you through and 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 the whole idea of subscription because beyond the fact that it's a, a meditation everyday active you know meditation guided meditation sorry you know that's part of the system but the way of bringing them in the options the subscriptions and you talked to all, you had all sorts of terms which you know, including CAC NPS FTV and retention <laughs> um, so talk us through what uh, what makes for the better version freemium not and maybe some tips you could have as you set up subscription models on your website or your app
0: yeah, so just in terms of like the best experience if you will. Yeah, I think um I I am a big fan of something called freemium. Um I I wasn't always a fan. Um I was a uh um it was one of those things where um I ended up um you know really coming around to it because I think what's beautiful about freemium is you're giving the user Experience when it comes to your product and your brand, right? And it's it's hard. It's not an easy thing. A lot of people think it's easy. Well, it's easy to give something away for free. It's like no, it has to be good. It can't be bad, right? And so, if I was setting up a company with the knowledge I have now, if if it was brand new to this, I would probably set something up in a couple years into the business when I've learned a lot about the customer. Then I would open up a freemium plan. Um, but if I had the knowledge I had now, I'd open up a freemium plan. I'd get people to start enjoying the product, enjoying the brand, um, and I think that's really really useful because. It, it shows them you know that you're a good person and all that kind of stuff and you're not pressuring them, oh, you have 12 days to sign up, 11 days to sign up, et cetera. I think some other things to really think about, um, your onboarding, I think is incredibly important. Um, A lot of us just dump someone into a product, um, whether it's a consumer product, a B2B product, whatever it is, and in reality, you wanna make sure that depending on the level of the product, um, I think it's super important um, to basically approach those particular individuals, um, and and based on that approach, um, understand um, how do you show them, or get them on the right path to value. Uh, because they 're going to come in and there 's going to be tons of different fragmented experiences because everyone 's going to click on different things based on their lives right, and how do you guide them to get to the right place um, so I think that 's that 's a pretty big thing um, you know that that finds that that 's pretty important if you will um, and and kind of rocking from there if that makes sense
1: right and so when you broke down in your vidcast you you, you looked at the specificity of the type of options you have as well and not just the the breakout clauses but whether it should be 12 days free a month free uh, or and the different types of models you can offer so if you're a business and you're trying to figure out what is the right series of freemium Mm. whether it should be one year subscription two year subscription or just monthly you can break it out how do you help a company to set that up
0: so like how you should charge, like yeah. monthly, annually, et cetera. Um, this is what's tough because sometimes it comes down to your business. Um, so uh, there's a company called HubSpot, which is a marketing automation product. And what's interesting about HubSpot is it's it's a product that takes a little while, Like, if, especially if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. It takes a little while to get started, right? And so if they just did a monthly subscription to their their core product, you know that does blogging and emails and a bunch of other stuff and you're new to marketing all of a sudden it's like that's that's a short time period for you to get ramped up and realize the full potential of the product and so i would say if you have a little bit of a complicated product a longer term you're going to kind of need to protect yourself basically um so hubspot you have to buy it on an annual basis they have a lot of training and all this stuff to make sure you get the value but i think if you have a little bit of a simpler product which which we should all even if it's solving a complicated problem we should all strive for um, it's just some problems there isn't a perfect elegant solution to quite yet Um, but if you have a simpler product then you know Making sure that term is short as possible, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, our product Retain, we have what I like to call like a perfect value metric because we can measure the amount of money that we are bringing the particular customer, um, and what that means is, is that we can show them and they can agree to hey you had this much money now you have this much money and we're going to take this small percentage and that means like we don't we have like no terms like yes we charge them on a monthly basis and for very large customers we have you know legalese and stuff for data protection and all that kind of fun stuff but um we basically have no term um you know people can cancel when when they choose to essentially and so i think it depends on like how you're solving the the problem and in some cases not having a subscription is also the right idea, you know? And I think that's, that's something that we don't talk a lot about, which right. is... A one-time price kind of thing. One yeah, time having usage. a one-time price is sometimes okay. And, and maybe the one-time price is going to be a lot more expensive than the subscription, but you get some advantage and there's going to be a small group of people or maybe a good-sized group of people who actually want that.
1: I, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking in my mind as listening to you about Excel, Adobe Photoshop, There are times that I I really... Well, in the case of Photoshop, I only use... I don't even know how to use it, right? So if I do, I'm like, uh, where's the calc? uh, uh, Yeah. And and I I struggle. And so that's my time. And all I really wanted to do was get one PDF and create it and turn it into a JPEG or something like that, right? It's a small functionality that I can do easiest, if you will, within Photoshop, but I have to pay for mm-hmm. at least one month subscription for that yeah. one little usage. So that's a one-time hit. And then if you think about Excel, you might only know how to use the plus and minus keys. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a whole bunch of macros. Macros, what yeah. are they? I don't know how to use them. And, and you have these variations. And then right now, I have this other one with um, SurveyMonkey. I've just done a survey. And I, I, they tell me there's a premium version, great premium. It's a subscription for a year. Well all I want to do mm. is is unlock a little bit of the subscription for one survey yeah. and and they yeah. don't they don't give me that option.
0: I think they do have uh a monthly plan survey right. they have the monthly big, plan. I like them yeah, so yeah. I think I. they do have one, but but I know what you mean, I know what you mean i I think it's so what what's funny of what you just mentioned is is both Photoshop and excel they're those are types of products where. We all want to use ten percent. It's just a different ten percent. Maybe Photoshop's an exception there, right? Like, so a hardcore designer they're using you know much more of it. But but I think what's really really kind of fascinating is there's a a. there's disruption that's happened in both of those spaces, right? For people like you who are like, I don't want to do this. So like Sketch, I don't know if you heard of Sketch. I yes. think Sketch is free on some level. Um, and you, can, you can't you can do everything you can do in Photoshop, but you can do some of it. You have Google Sheets now, which you certainly can't do like heavy macros and stuff like that in. But you can do a lot. You can basically, I mean, for my Excel usage, um, most of my Excel usage, like day-to-day, I can use that just perfectly well. So this is like the PDF comment that you made. To me, when I hear that, I go, okay, interesting. That's probably a very common problem, right? Like switching from one type to another type. And I think Apple has solved some of that just in their interface. But that's a perfect little free product. Perfect little one. Like I want you to come in. The most you're gonna have to give me is your email address, which means yes, I am going to email you, but I'm gonna give you this free, you know, product. And I'll be very respectful. Yeah, totally. And so it's one of those things where that's where I think there's that innovation happening that we're talking about here um, that works just really, really well. Mm.
1: Think through what... Use data uh, and understand what your customers are looking for. So, um, Patrick, you, you with uh, ProfitWell, you went through a transition. Uh, let's call it a pivot. Tell us what that happened and what are the lessons learned?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would call it a pivot. Well, I, I you know, how, that's, that's why. I see I like how to... one you say that. Yeah, know, yeah, no, No. but... Uh, we um yeah so I think we started off so we started off just on pricing. We were we were like, "Hey, this is a big problem." And and it's because at my old job, one of the projects I worked on was pricing and I realized we spend all of this time building cool stuff and it could be anything, right? And then when it comes time to actually put a price, which is that measure of whatever the value is that you're providing, we're like, I don't know, just just put it out there, put a nine at the end of it, and we'll call it a day, right? And so uh, th- there needed to be some better science, and, and so we developed this product. It's got some algorithms to measure around pricing, and then all of a sudden, uh, that search for truth that I mentioned, we just started chipping away at different problems. And we were like, well, this data is really good, but it would be even better if we had this data. Um, And that's what led to the first iteration of ProfitWell um, was, hey, we have that data, then there's so many other things we can do. And so we've basically gone deeper and deeper in order to generalize our mission more and more. Um, And it's been I mean, it's been tough, especially as a non venture backed company, because it basically meant that we had to commit to a longer term vision, which meant, um, you know, for the first few years I was making the equivalent of, you know, $30,000 a year. And, you know, obviously, you know, didn't have kids think, you know, during that time or anything like that. And so, and didn't have a lot of obligations thankfully, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, we, we definitely, even now, like we put all of the profits back into the business. Um, and we have to be profitable because of our side or because of our, our, um, non-funding. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been quite the journey, and there's been a lot of ups and downs uh, professionally, personally, all that kind of fun stuff.
1: It is the journey. You you did this wonderful interview with uh, Patty McCord at uh, Netflix, and mm. and very much this notion that paradox or conflict between doing good and making money. Yeah. And and what was it that makes you so? key keyed up on this idea of purpose and doing good is it, what is it that stimulated that is that just come from your upbringing and your parents uh, a specific event what what drove that what drives that
0: yeah i don't i don't know if i have a good answer so i i you know coming from a, a very blue collar family my father was in the military um you know so there's there's always been this this sense of duty and and just kind of doing the right thing but that wasn't that was more like an honor thing than a you know go solve a world problem if you will thing if that makes sense mm-hmm. and so i'm not sure and, and to be frank you know coming from that kind of background and growing up you know relatively poor like it was kind of about the money in the beginning it was like because i i worked at google and i was making you know pretty good but especially good cash for for my experience level and um you know, I, I did this cool little internal product that made Google a lot of money and I could kind of measure like how much money I made Google. And I got this cool award and this like small, you know, bonus. And I was like, wow, I busted my butt and I feel like, you know, they're, they were going to shut my project down. And I was just like, I feel like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I should do this on my own. Right. And then getting into it, I think what happened is I found, um, a lot of realization that I'm, I'm kind of like a, a, I I like to call it a problem-holic, which, like, it really is a workaholic, but it's really more just, like, I like to dig into problems and puzzles and things like that, and so, I don't know, and then, to be frank, partnering with the right people, so um, our our head of product um, that I mentioned before, um, you know, money isn't interesting to him, you know, uh, like, we're, yes, we want, you know, probably a a sum of money that we would all agree is a good sum of money, you know, to live, right, and to live very, very um, uh, comfortably, but, we're not looking to make, you know, um, you know, something where we can just, you know, Hey, let's just get a million dollars a year for the next 10 years. It's like, no, if we're going to dedicate so much time to this, let's build something huge. And the money will be, um, a, a product of, Basically, focusing on the product, if that makes sense, uh, and so yeah, I think it's it's surrounding the right people um, there's enough you know childhood you know everything comes back to childhood right there's huh. enough childhood uh, uh, background that kind of spurred that that mindset, if you will
1: and the fact that you 're sixty, privately held, without funding in the background that pushes you, let's say, with a dagger to perform faster get m- more returns quicker, that also ha- helps you at the very least.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think it, it puts us in a really good position, right? Because, you know, if we want to go raise money, we can. Um, you know, maybe we'll get really good terms. Maybe we won't. Um, and so I, I think it's one of those things where we we also can, like, batter down the hatches, as they say, and, you know, keep, you know, keep grinding for the long term. But, yeah, we, we have put ourselves in a very, very good position. And, you know, a lot of that was, self-conscious or conscious and a lot of that was probably unconscious you know just us you know getting lucky in a few different areas but uh yeah it's been it's been a good journey so far well
1: the last thing i wanted to talk about patrick is uh it was when when we were first introduced to each other i also heard that you had a health issue and i think as you get older you get more obviously aware of the issues of health but you're a young guy uh to have had this tell us a little bit about that journey what you'd like to share yeah. about it and how it's impacted your approach to life and business
0: yeah that's that's a good question i uh so i have this um syndrome ailments i don't know it it gives me a higher propensity to to unfortunately get cancer um and and it's it's one of those things where a lot of people have it and they never get cancer um and it's not like life well the cancer is life-threatening but it's the the syndrome in and of itself is not life-threatening and so um, i unfortunately had um i've had two bouts with with cancer um i um one was when i worked at google and um frankly if if you can ever choose where you get sick uh working at google and getting sick is probably the best place ever wow. um my my boss was basically like yeah you like you don't have to come in and i was like well i need the insurance he's like no 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 you're going to get fully paid you can just like leave for a quarter <laughs> like take care of your stuff and i was like wow that's amazing and like i didn't it's not that i didn't like spend a dime i didn't even see a bill like i didn't even see an invoice i didn't have to like contact it just was all taken care of if that makes sense oh. and so um that was kind of amazing, and, and thankfully it was caught you know early enough and in, in, you know I had surgery and some chemo, and then the second time um, basically it, it kind of showed up in a different area and um, it was caught very early because I was getting you know blood tests regularly oh, and tests regularly. Mm-hmm yeah and so that i mean the doctor said at that point they were like yeah if, if you weren't doing you know checkups regularly we wouldn't even have caught this for probably six to nine months and so that was kind of cool um just to, to find a silver lining but hmm. and this was this was a few years into the business and so um that was super tough because um you know we were i think we were around 20 people and so we weren't you know we weren't zero people like two people but we weren't you know there wasn't enough people to do everything and so I don't know for me it 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 really kind of put things in perspective in the sense of um I don't like I I fear getting hurt and obviously I want to live on this earth you know and and live a good healthy life but I don't I don't fear death in the sense of you know like I've I've come to terms enough with those emotions that I don't fear it in the sense of like oh my gosh like you know it's it's something that's going to hold me back it's more like oh this is this is an inevitability and therefore i need to you know basically like go and jump in and live my life to the fullest to say a cliche but you know cliches are cliches for a reason right and i think that's that's what really helped me and, and when i got it at can at, at google it was like it was this eye-opening experience where i was like i don't want to work in like a traditional nine to five i don't want to work in a you know traditional like setting i want to go like do something, and I think it could have been you know making shower curtains, it could have been you know digging ditches, probably, but you know software was kind of the world that I was in, and so I, I think that's what really really helped and so yeah, I guess that purpose to to be frank i didn't even realize that, like the connection until now like that's probably where a lot of this comes from um, th- that experience that I had
1: well of course the the name profit well speaks volumes to that type of purpose and and for having spent a lot of time, I've done a documentary film of the Second World War and uh, interviewed 130 veterans of the Second World War. And oftentimes this life-changing approach comes from some big issue that's come around, like death or like mm. r- real hardship. And so, you know, when someone complains about their dent on their BMW, you're like, well, okay.
0: Yeah. Move along.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering. Yeah. I was just wondering to the extent that that resonated with your father in this whole journey, because presumably, by being in the military, he's faced stuff, he's seen things, he's certainly heard a lot more than most of people will have ever heard.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's definitely. I mean, for him, um, you know, it's probably it's another podcast worth of content, probably. <laughs> but it's. Uh, I mean, well, I we. I had a tough tough childhood, if if, if that makes sense, uh, without getting too deep, which I'm happy to do, but it's just, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're near in the end, I think. And so um, him going, so he, you know, served in Iraq and, um, you know, as, you know, the, the second, the, the most recent Iraq conflict, I should say. Um, and he, yeah, I think it was night and day for him when he came back versus when he was before then. Um, and there was like a progression if we actually mapped it out, but I think... It's hardship is like it's not a contest. Right. And I think no. that it, it's more about perspective. Right. Mm. Um, you know, and when you when you go out into the world and whether you experience it, God forbid, or you um, witness it or you learn about it, all of that perspective adds to um you having enough context to know or start to understand what's important what's not important um even small conflicts and and hardships we've had at the company here now i understand like oh that bad thing happened it's not the end of the world like i thought it was in the year the first year of the business in the sixth year of the business it's like yeah it's not the end of the world it sucks we'll fix it but like you know it it can help you keep the highs low and the lows high as they say
1: Mm, nice Patrick, uh, wonderful way to finish as far as I'm concerned Um, thanks for that perspective and how can anyone follow you, track you down and of course uh, sign up for your good services at ProfitWell
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But if if you email me, uh, you know, especially if you have any questions about, you know, any of this stuff or pricing and that kind of stuff, uh, PC at ProfitWell.com might take me a little while to get back to you, but I always get back to everybody. Uh, And then, um, you know, I'm uh, Patrick Campbell on LinkedIn. Um and I tweet I'm Paticus on Twitter childhood nickname uh, so uh, yeah I thought I should change it now that I'm more quote unquote professional but uh, no we'll just we'll just hold on to Paticus it Paticus
1: Rumpicus. it sounds like a very you know uh, Roman name
0: yeah all hail Paticus um, <laughs> no it was uh, it was a band um, it was actually a, I don't know if you remember the genre emo uh, which yeah, is kind of like funk. Yes. Uh, yeah there's like an emo band and this is when I was in uh, high school and I, I wasn't like a listener of them, but one of my friends was, and you know, their, their name was Atticus. And so he was just like, Oh, it's like Atticus, but Patrick. And so, yeah, that's kind of the short, that that's the short, actually the whole story. So yeah.
1: Patrick, (laughs) thanks for coming on the show. We look forward to staying in touch and talking some more. Absolutely. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minto dialogue show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on mintodial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button, or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Joss Sax's Finger Paint.
2: Oh, fill me with all your colors, any different way. In our palms make colors blend With all your favorite shades